Hey everyone, welcome to Guild Chat Cafe, uh, where we talk about all things learning. My name is Jeff Batt with the Learning Guild, and today we're going to be talking with Mark Lassoff, who is the president of the Tech Learning Network. Welcome, Mark. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Um, why don't you give us a quick introduction to who you are, uh, your company, and kind of what makes you passionate about learning, first of all? Sure. Well, my name is Mark Lassoff. My company recently became the Tech Learning Network. We are a multi-platform video network that teaches digital skills, everything from how to use Google Suite and Office up to how to write code in languages like Python and JavaScript. And uh, we're going to be launching over the next few months our multi-platform approach, which includes streaming television, websites, down to uh, learning via social. Um, I have been in the tech training business for about 20 years. Um, and I think what makes me passionate about learning is that it unlocks so many doors for so many people. If you learn in the tech industry and you become skilled, it really doesn't matter as much what your background is. You do have the ability to succeed. It is a meritocracy and learning enables all of that. So I, I really appreciate people who are trying to better themselves through learning and those who make sacrifices to teach others. Awesome. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, it's there. You know, the people can go out and they can learn. It's just whether they put the time in or find the right resources or something. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think as an industry, we've been looking for this magic bullet that makes learning happen without work. Um, and, and we haven't found it yet. I'd love to discover it. But I, I think that for those who are willing to put forth the effort. Learning is an extremely powerful and empowering thing that you can spend your time on. Um, I, I wish I was, uh, I wish I had more time to learn some of the things outside of my profession and industry that I'm passionate about. But right now, it's, uh, most of my own learning is going into professional development, professional betterment. Yeah. Yeah. So, Mark, um, I know that you'll be speaking at Learning Solutions 2022, which is on April 20th, uh, coming up in Orlando, Florida. And you're going to be talking about strategies to help somebody become a YouTube educator. Um, mm -hmm. So I have a couple questions that we're going to go through around that. And the first question is, how relevant is YouTube for somebody when they're wanting to develop these skills like you're talking about? If somebody wants to get better um, at programming or just, you know, basic things like Word or Google Docs or something like that, how relevant is YouTube in learning those types of skills? So first off, YouTube is, after Google, the second biggest search engine in the world. More searches happen on YouTube than any place but Google. And of course, people know that YouTube is owned by Google, so you can kind of say... yeah. It's the same thing, but um, I think it's extremely relevant for the modern learner. You know, as an industry, we act as if people are first going to turn to their LMS when they want to know something. And the reality is they're going to turn to Google um, and they're going to search what they want to know in Google. And some of their results will come from YouTube or they may go directly from YouTube. And what you can learn on YouTube is absolutely astounding. People are shocked if they look at the breadth and depth of the learning that's available within YouTube. Any search term that you put into YouTube, if you want to learn about it, 
you have the ability to do so. And people think because it's free or because it's YouTube, the quality is poor, and that's hardly the case. There are a lot of people who are passionate teachers just putting up their knowledge on YouTube for fun or even for uh, helping others. They're the kind of the, the good feeling you get for helping others to learn. So YouTube is extremely important in learning. And in places where people don't have access to a lot of expensive resources, YouTube can be even more critical. I found our own YouTube channel is really consumed uh, at, at, a high, at a high rate in places where there isn't really an organized ecosystem for learning tech skills. So people are on their own turning to YouTube to learn new skills. Also with kids who may not have money to pay for an online course or may not yet reach the age where they can take a college course, they're turning to YouTube. Even me looking for performance support you know, my, my joke has always been that, you know, if I have a question about Adobe Premiere, I type it into YouTube and I can get the answer from a 13-year-old Polish kid with a cold. <laughs> it is amazing what people are putting up there. I, I'll give you just another example. I had a uh, little technical problem with a new computer that I bought and I typed the error code in and there were four YouTube videos about how to resolve that exact error code. So I think for performance support and learning, YouTube is an incredibly valuable resource, but I think also undervalued in corporate L&D. Yeah, and I mean, if you think about it in the corporate L&D, we feel like we have to keep all of our content within um, our own organization and we don't really share it out or anything like that. Why do you think organizations kind of hesitate to put content on YouTube and make it it's almost like it's making it more public or something where maybe it's something that they don't want to share, but maybe they could or something. And how does that help? Like how would I think, someone... I, mean, I, think it's, I think it's a culture, right? Like the walled garden that everyone puts up is, is, is kind of a culture. And that's a culture that needs to change, especially as people are working more and more distributed. Um, so, I mean, I think the first instinct that a lot of companies have, right, is, okay, people need to learn something, so we need to create training yep. versus, you know, we need to send them to YouTube to watch this video. Um, and I think also, to some degree, internal training departments are somewhat turned off by using resources like YouTube and curating them, because on some degree, that speaks to the need for a large corporate training department. Um, you know, if, if you can learn, let's just use Word as an example, completely on YouTube and become proficient, what's the reason for employing a professional trainer who comes in and trains people on the office suite? Um, so, I mean, I think there's some of that. And I also think that the idea that our employees are different, right? Yeah. Our employees require special learning. And that's often not the case unless you have software that's highly proprietary or you're training on some kind of internal technique, what I call tribal knowledge, you know, YouTube or other resources that are available to the general public can be really, really good. And it also provides a learning community. It provides oftentimes a credible instructor who's credible through the number of views and downloads. So I really think there's a lot of advantages to using YouTube. I'll give you another example. Um, uh, we do some work in the airline industry. Right now, there is an incredible crunch for pilots. There's just not enough people qualified to fly for air, fly for airlines right now in the U.S. and, and worldwide. Um, 
but a couple airlines are it's interesting are making very public education efforts on youtube and reaching the pilot community and answering questions about how do you train exactly for a career if you want to get hired by us mm -hmm. um and that very public facing training and knowledge is interesting to the point where they're showing the the flows and procedures that they use in their cockpits um which people would think well before you know is there as anybody cares is there an audience for this and the audience may be only 50 people but maybe 25 of those people then become your pilots you know okay. it's it's not necessarily about large audiences but addressing the right people on youtube who are moving the needle for whatever your training goal is yeah, and it almost seems like to kind of um comment on what you said instead of recreating everything we're almost curating content and so taking what's already there and curating it and maybe structuring it on our own SharePoint or something like that um, for saying, hey, if you want to become this role, here's some great content on YouTube to go find and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think curating is, is the word right? and, we, and we've been talking about curating as an industry for a decade, but I, I don't find that YouTube is often one of the resources we curate. And I think one of the reasons is, too, is I think sometimes corporate L&D departments act more like a college academic department than a training department, where they're really trying to source things that are highly academic and validated by research. And I don't know if YouTube feels below them or or, or because it's public accept, publicly accessible, but you know what people generally need is the less academic, more directly applicable content that YouTube has versus showing someone, you know, a paper. Unless you're in like a highly scientific environment, which which my folks are not. I mean, it also kind of leads me to. I mean, I, I've seen organizations try to post, or even maybe just like regular um, consultants or something try to post on YouTube, and they do it for a while, but then all of a sudden they stop doing it. What what kind of mm. Why do you think they get to that point where there's there's some hesitations or some uh, they just feel like they're not getting the most out of what they're putting on YouTube? Well, most I mean, depends on your goal for YouTube. If your goal is to become, you know, an influencer with a large audience. Well, that takes a lot of time and effort and putting up videos regularly for a long period of time. If you look at any of the famous YouTubers, they weren't famous for a long time and were putting in videos every day. Um, you know, one of the famous tech YouTubers, a guy named MKBHD, uh, is here in the East Coast. Very, very well-known, probably the top tech YouTuber. Um, but if you look back in his history, there's videos of him posting when he was 13 years old, you know, posting his really terrible tech videos. And it took him years to grow that media company. So if you're trying to grow an audience and something like that's fairly um, mass appeal like tech, that's going to take a long time every day posting. But if you understand your goal is to reach a small section of the right people, you know, L&D videos aren't going to get hundreds and hundreds of thousands of views for the most part. Um, so you've got to be satisfied with figuring out what your goals are and then reaching those goals. I mean, people also give up because, you know, it's it's not as fun to do the 50th video as it was to do the first video. Um, yeah. Doing good video is a lot of work and very time consuming. So, you know, people are oriented towards immediate rewards. Um, you know, my own YouTube channel for our company has uh, just shy of 60,000 subscribers. 
that took a long time to get there. But at that number, we're starting to see some of the rewards, including monetary rewards, of putting up content. We're currently going through a rebranding and a, and a little bit of a change to our business process. But that YouTube channel remains central for us to reach audiences. And, you know, if someone's going to search for a video on some specific HTML uh, tag or technique, those are our people, right? Mm -hmm. Like no one who's outside our audience is going to bother to do that. So one of the things that YouTube delivers is people who are highly affiliated with the types of videos that you're building. Because otherwise people generally wouldn't search for videos that are instructional unless they really have a need for them or are very passionate about that topic. Yeah. And I think it's also a process thinking of my own kind of uh, venture into YouTube. I, I took a look, you know, I've been doing it for a couple of years now, and I took a look back at my old videos and compared to my current videos. And I can see that progression, which I think times we kind of give up. We're like, oh, we're not there yet. We're not going to get there. And we just kind of give up. But like it takes time, like you're saying, it takes equipment. It takes um, you know, just kind of playing around with different concepts and different topics and different things. Um, so that does lead me to my next question is like, what kind of skills, if somebody's wanting to do this, an organization is wanting to do this, what kind of skills do they need to be able to do this? What kind of equipment do they need uh, to get started with posting to YouTube? I'm a big proponent of starting simple. Like until you've exhausted every feature on your iPhone, use that to record you know, buy a few lights and buy a microphone, but start inexpensive because Google did a big study and showed that having information that people are passionate about, that it's relevant, is I think 2.5 times more important than good production value. And having that information or those topics that people are passionate about, those niche topics people are passionate about, is four times more important than having well-known celebrities in the videos. So those numbers show that, you know, you can start small as you build an audience, you will naturally start to build your own equipment list and, and, and build studios and things like that to improve the quality of your videos. But one of the things that people go to YouTube for is this idea of this one-to-one -one relationship with the YouTube presenter. They're looking at the YouTube presenter as their friend who's talking to them one-to-one. -one. They don't want like a big time broadcast. It's not Wheel of Fortune, you know, it's a conversation. And you'll notice that the ethos and kind of the zeitgeist of YouTube is, is, is conversational. People going back and forth having a conversation. And so if you can start small and intimate, that's gonna win you your initial audience. As your audience grows, I think people naturally progress into, you know, the more expensive studio camera and the lighting and stuff. You know, we've got, a full, fully equipped green screen studio. But the reason we have that is to record our professional courses, our online stuff. Sometimes for YouTube, we will record with a cell phone and make it more intimate because people really want that intimate space. They, they really follow creators on YouTube that they like, that move them personally. Um, and then are talking about something that they're, they're passionate about. I think it's the, it's the, topic and subjects that get people to the creator to begin with through search. And then it's the creator's own um, personality that keeps them coming back and, yeah. and wanting to see them more. 
And I think, you know, looking at YouTube channels, one of the common things, you know, to help your YouTube channel be successful is user engagement, like you're talking about. So the, the personal um, touch or even like presenters saying, hey, comment on this or like and subscribe, sure. different things like that, which create that engagement. But yeah, what it's, other... it's, it's, it's social yeah. media, Jeff, right? I mean, it's it's like anything else. It's the social is first. So people want to have conversations like on Twitter through the comments and even off of YouTube on other properties that the YouTube presenter may have or own. So, you know, what's real common is for a YouTube presenter to have a Discord presence and, you know, the con the videos are on YouTube, but the conversation is happening on Discord. But the conversation is, is, is a big part of this and access to the YouTuber is is important. And one of the mistakes I see corporate L&D make when they try and go on YouTube is one, they go on as corporate L&D, not as, you know, Bill or Mary, the expert on X, Y, and Z. But I mean, there have been some approaches that have worked really well, especially in food, where, you know, for example, companies that um, were, had a, had a vegan food line have gone on and done recipe videos that just included their products. It wasn't a sales thing, but they just did things that their audience was looking for and kind of mentioned their product as an oh, by the way. Um, so there's ways of doing it that are, are, are not so aggressive. I mean, if you're a corporate L&D department trying to go to YouTube, you probably have some messaging that you want people to know about beyond just your organization. So you've got to make that palatable for people who aren't necessarily sitting in your building. Well, I guess people don't sit in your building anymore. <laughs> but people who aren't you know, part of your company in order for them to get the message. Yeah. And one other concern that I had, and maybe you can speak to this as well, is, you know, you know, and you do the same thing. I mean, you, you do have in your business some point where you want people to go and, and buy something or a subscriber um, yeah. to something. But what what would you say to someone who's saying, OK, well, I want them to go purchase my course, but I don't want to give too much away on my YouTube channel. How does posting like content on YouTube actually help or if it does help? Um, actually funnel people to your courses? Yeah. So first of all, I think if we take a step back, I think every organization has to realize that in the current milieu that they are a media company and that the media that every company produces is an important part of how they communicate their brand, how they communicate their marketing and how they communicate their training and learning. So if you take a and look at it from, from that perspective, I think you do a lot of sales enablement and you do a lot of training enablement by putting as much out there as you can. So our model, we give away and we're going to be giving away loads of training content for free. That's a benefit to us because it grows our influence, it grows our brand. But where we are going to charge is if you want certifications, access to instructors and things like that, that's going to be, that's where our revenue is going to come from. Now, that's a little bit different than the way we sell content into corporate L&D where we sell the media, right? We're selling the course and hopefully they put it in their, in their learning management system and that their employees benefit from it. But I think you've got to be mindful of a different set of expectations when it comes to YouTube and social. 
I don't think that you're really in danger of cannibalizing course sales or course participation by giving away information for free. What we found is that our biggest brand supporters watch everything. And that if they won't go beyond YouTube as a property, they probably weren't going to buy anything to begin with. There's a lot of people who we're very pleased are part of our ecosystem for in underdeveloped countries who aren't going to spend and don't have the wherewith. What we charge for a course is a month's salary there. So, you know, we're still able to impact them in really important ways. Um, and they get to, they become they become often our biggest brand fans, and they don't have to you know they're not weighed down by by a cost that they can't incur. Yeah, you know, I mean it's not all about you know direct translation of you know people watching into some type of sales funnel or in a marketing funnel or if you're if it's training you know training funnel. But I I do think that the best ambassador of your brand can be YouTube videos. And whether you're an HR department trying to recruit employees or whether you're in sales enablement and trying to get people into that funnel, that's really important. And, you know, we forget that not only is it potential uh, customers who are watching a video, but it's potential employees. And in a time like now where there's a, where it's really difficult to recruit, you know, that's an interesting way for people to for for people to reach out and communicate their brand, their values, and what they're about, and reach audiences of potential employees. They're not going to reach on Indeed or something like that. Yeah. So my next question is like, how do you measure? Okay, so you get some content on YouTube. Mm -hmm. um, how do you measure success that you're being successful? That's you know. Um, employees are finding your content or uh, uh, potential employees are finding your content. How do you measure that type of success in YouTube? Well, it depends what your goals for the, for the channel and the video are, right? I mean, for us, we do look at YouTube as growing our brand. I mean, we are big enough where, you know, we get a check every month for people watching our videos. So one of the, for us, one of the measurements is how big is that check? Which is, a, which is just a function of how many views did we get? So, I mean, there's, first of all, how many views did they get? Did they click on any links that are associated with your videos? If they clicked on the link, what did they do next? So we can see our traffic go from YouTube to a landing page, to an email list, and then into some type of cycle that's either signing up for a product, signing up for some type of training, making a query, or something else. So you've got to design beyond YouTube kind of what you want from your YouTube channel. If it's applicant flow, that's very easy to measure, right? Hey, interested in working here? Put a link in your YouTube description. How many people watched the video? How many people who watched it clicked on that link? How many of them who clicked gave their name and email? How many of those applied? And how many of those were employed? You've got to look at the narrowing funnel and the fall off at each point. You know, if your goal is sales enablement through training, which, by the way, is huge right now, right? If I have a, there are companies that pay us to train people in their product or technology in order to enable sales. So, you know, for example, if you are a company, and I'm going to use someone who's huge, like Salesforce, training people in over-the-phone sales makes a lot of sense 
because what you're doing is, yet yeah, you're providing good training for people who are already your customers, but you're also providing training for people who aren't your customers, who will then become affiliated with your brand, interested in what you have to offer, and more likely to become part of that Salesforce ecosystem. Awesome. Yeah. What what would you say to somebody if for some reason they still can't use YouTube? They're not convinced YouTube is just not going to work in our organization. Are there other tools or other methods that you could say that they might want to look into, you know, not naming specific tools, but yeah. um, without, you know, that would give them the same kind of impact as YouTube without posting videos on YouTube? I mean, you, YouTube's not an imperative. You don't have to do it. But I will say again, if you're interested in being where the people are, then you want to look at YouTube. More people will watch a video on YouTube tonight than any program on any TV network. Um, soon it'll be more people will watch a video on YouTube tonight than will watch TV. We may have surpassed that already. YouTube is, you know, if you're my age, YouTube is the network television of the modern era. And it's democratized access to huge audiences because if you have good content, you will grow an audience. Now, if you're not interested in that, well, there's loads of ways you can still use video in powerful ways. For example, there's a lot of companies that offer, for example, YouTubes within your walled garden, meaning your own kind of YouTube-like presence, but only your employees can access it. And I think, you know, what's interesting about that is you have a way of communicating with employees that feels contemporary, that's interesting, that's easy to update, that can um, change as the needs of your employees change simply by posting a video every day. And, you know, the video shouldn't be the CEO yammering on about this, that, or that, this, that, or the other thing. The video really needs to connect with employees in ways that are important to them. So... You know, creating a corporate YouTube or an internal YouTube, I think, is another option that you can look at. And if you're interested in, you know, pushing video out, you know, you you can host it in any one of a dozen places like Vimeo and then bring your audience to it. There's a lot of different options. I'm a big fan of YouTube in cases where you want to access that huge media audience and you can that will benefit your company in some way. And I think almost every company can benefit from reaching those huge audiences, not just for sales, but for employee recruiting, for branding, and, and about a half dozen other reasons. Awesome. Well, thank you, Mark, and uh, thank you for joining us today. And if you want to learn more about Mark and becoming a YouTube educator, uh, make sure that you join us at Learning Solutions 2022 coming up in April. Um, April 20th, and you can learn more about that at learningsolutionscon.com. And that's it for our episode of Guild Chat Cafe. So make sure you like and subscribe to this channel. And if you hit that uh, bell icon, you'll be notified of additional videos as they come out as well. So thanks, Mark, and thanks everyone for tuning in.